Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is that you are joining us. We appreciate it. We hope you are having a great day. Uh, this is one of your main co-hosts, Kylie Morrison, alongside becoming a, a pretty regular guest here uh, with, with Brett, straight from, straight from Nebraska, coming on for a second time in three weeks. We, uh, we appreciate you jumping on here, Brett. Yeah, glad to be back. Yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time. Last time we had John, uh, we were we were doing kind of an all college football episode, and it, this might be might be pretty heavy into college, but we'll we'll try and dabble a little bit in, into the NFL this week as well. Um, I know you've got a, got a lot of passion for the NFL, so I guess let's we can kind of just go ahead and jump jump right on into this past Saturday uh, in in the college world because. People are regarding it as arguably one of the greatest Saturdays of all time for college football in just pure excitement and enjoyment. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I I watched a lot of college football all day. I was down in Lincoln at the Nebraska and Michigan game tailgating all day, and we had a TV set up. So I was able to watch uh, quite a bit of football throughout the day while I was waiting for that uh, 6.30 kick out in Lincoln. We Tennessee had a noon game, and so we I kind of missed what I could follow along what was happening in the noon games, but uh, and then kind of caught the end of those, and then you know I was able to listen listen and keep up with what was going on in the afternoon, and and then the night games was was back in town to be able to watch it. So uh, let's I, I guess let's kind of start it off and kind of work our way through the day of, of in that noon slot. The the first big game was obviously the Oklahoma Texas game. And Texas jumping out to a huge lead, 28 to seven in the first quarter. I think they were up 38 to 25 or something like that in or 38 to 20 in the second half. And Oklahoma comes storming all the way back scores with two seconds left on the clock right before overtime. A uh, huge, huge comeback. And also Spendler, Spencer Rattler gets benched in the game and they bring in their backup who comes in and looks great. Maybe, maybe doesn't take over for the quarterback spot. I mean, just a lot to unpack here. Yeah, man, what a performance by uh, Williams, the freshman quarterback. Uh, backing up Spencer Rattler, but came in the second half and just lit it up. Threw two touchdowns, 200 yards, and rushed for another 88 yards on only four carries. That just brings a whole different wrinkle to Oklahoma's offense that Spencer Rattler just he couldn't give. Uh, he's obviously a fairly gifted passer, and Rattler is or we thought so at the beginning of the season. Um, but Williams just being that sort of dual threat guy just poses a lot of um, problems for big 12 defenses, especially. You ever seen a guy come into the season? I mean, he was projected number one overall pick Heisman favorite comes into the season. And I mean, he's just all flat on his face, man. Yeah. He just has not looked good. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, but there's been some leaks and rumors about Caleb Williams taking over the starting job this weekend. And I've heard, I've heard a rumor. I have no idea if this is true or not that Spencer Rattler's thinking about leaving the team. I would be really, really shocked if he left the team mid year. Um, but it doesn't surprise me to see that Williams has taken first team staff with how he looked this past week. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, I saw an article that, that came out earlier today. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, but a local school newspaper. Uh, there was no, there's no media access to Oklahoma practices, like a lot of college football teams. 
And the school newspaper kid found a way to be able to see practice from an open classroom window and got, his, got some binoculars and went up there and watched and was able to see that uh, Williams is taking the first team snaps and he writes this out in the paper and it becomes a massive story. Now there's going to be no media access the rest of the rest of the week, no interviews, no press conferences, nothing until after the game on Saturday. But, and even Spencer, Rattler, they got an interview with Spencer Rattler's dad as well. And it sounded like for the way he was talking, he was like, we're getting through the national, uh, I think it's January 10th is the day of the national championship. He's like, all I'm focused on is getting, get past that day. And then we're going to see what, what the NFL might hold which I, I think that could be a very real possibility that he just says, screw it, whatever this year happens, and, and then just jump to the NFL. Man, if I'm an NFL GM, though, I'm not, I'm not taking a chance on that kid. He's not looked good this year. He obviously has arm talent just based off last year, but there's just something with him, man, this year that he just hasn't looked good. And I just don't know if I could – I don't want to say waste a draft pick, but take that risk on a draft pick of drafting someone who just has looked average. Yeah, I mean, he's been totally overmatched this year. Uh, he gets all the hype, and like I said, he fell flat on his face. And I, I'm with you. It's it, it's going to be a really tough sell for for him in, in those interviews if he does try to go to the NFL draft and be able to sell himself to the teams. So I have no clue what's actually going to happen, but I will say that Oklahoma, I mean, Oklahoma's defense clearly did not look great in that game against Texas and they still got a long road ahead of them. They still have to play an undefeated Oklahoma state before the end of the year, very likely either going to have to play Texas again or that, or that uh, Oklahoma state team a second time in the big 12 championship game. So they, they've got a long, long way to go before the end of the season, if they want to go in undefeated. Yeah. So I'm not very familiar with big 12 football since Nebraska left, but do they, do they play, do they like use their divisions for the championship game? So no divisions. It's just pure no divisions. Yeah. So oh, okay. you have your, your eight conference games and they rotate through, actually, I think they may play nine in the big 12 and uh, they rotate through their conference games and then top two records, even if they've already played go to the conference uh, championship game. I like that. I think that's the way all conferences should be, but and, that's... And, uh, the SEC goes to, Full expansion, but that's something that I would not be surprised at. But if the ACC does one's Oklahoma, Texas kid in. Seen a lot of uh, LSU Alabama championship games. <laughs> you might, you might, but I think it's, uh, you definitely, you're no doubt getting your best team. You don't get the, uh, the 11 and 1, 12 and 0 Alabama versus a, a 9 and 3 Florida team anymore. Yeah. Speaking of LSU, do you, so what's your take on the Ed Ordron story? Um, do you think that one season with Joe Burrow was kind of a, a one-off kind of a, was it Gene Chizik? I was, I was going to say Ed Orgeron is Gene Chizik 2.0. He gets this unbelievably gifted roster with a all-time talent at quarterback. And he goes out and he wins a national championship the same way Gene Chizik did with Cam Newton at Auburn. And then after that, I mean, Gene Chizik's coaching record outside of that one season was pretty mediocre. And Ed Orgeron's coaching record outside of that one season has been pretty mediocre. He was horrible at Ole Miss. He was okay at USC in an interim job. And he hasn't been all that special outside of that one season at LSU. And so I I think that this loss to Kentucky this past weekend, 100% was the nail in the coffin for Edo. And at this point, it's just a matter of when, not if he's gone. Agreed. 
because they have by talent composite rankings, LSU is the fifth most talented roster in college football this year. And they are getting smoked by Kentucky. That, that should not happen with the talent that they have. And all you need is one decent coach in there. And I, I don't know who it's going to be. There's a lot of people that I think would be willing to take that job, but I, I have a feeling their first call might be to Jimbo Fisher. I don't think Jim, I don't know if Jimbo would take it, but that's, I would, I would expect that to be their first call. Agreed. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a wild, um, it's wild how fast it's gone downhill for him. You win a national championship two years ago. And, and like I said, I, I think, People saw the the Auburn game as one thing, and then you had this opportunity to go back. To, you go out there to Kentucky, and you just get absolutely schlacked. And they're not they're not thirty points worse than Kentucky. They're a decent football team, but they're not thirty points. Those two teams should have been pretty evenly matched going into it. Sorry, twenty one point. It was forty two twenty one, but it was it was not pretty for most of that game. It was pure domination. Yeah, I mean LSU that year with Joe Burrow, twenty nineteen. They ended up having 14 players drafted in the NFL draft. That's unheard of. I mean, the only other team that's done that is 2004 Ohio State. <laughs> and we're talking about players like Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, Patrick Queen, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Grant Delpit, just Lloyd Cushenberry is another one. I'm just reading These guys aren't right just now. in the NFL. These guys are starters in the NFL. Yes, yes. And that's, that's, that's just the 2019 draft. You, you still have Jamar Chases on that team. Um I'm sure I, I'm not. The yeah, I'm sure there's LSU more. Fan. I'm sure there's more. But yeah, like that that team was just chock full of talent, and it was just that was so awesome to see. And that that kind of talent makes your coaching job very easy. You don't have a coaching job. You put together a scheme, and you have better athletes than everybody else you're going to play. And as long as you aren't a total idiot, and your players don't have mental mistakes, you're going to win. Right. It's as simple as that. Right. So yeah, I, and and I think a lot of that also came to is uh, Joe Brady and uh, uh, who was their D coordinator that year as well, um, guy at Baylor now, uh, Dave Miranda. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I, I think those two also had huge influences to that to that team and to how good that team was coached a, a lot more than Edo did. If there's one thing Edo can do is he can recruit. Even if Edo gets fired at LSU, Edo will find himself at a job very quickly because he has always been a great recruiter, elite level recruiter. And so he'll find himself somewhere, but I just don't think he's the head coach for LSU. Yeah, what what high school kid doesn't want to go play with that fiery head coach, the deep and raspy <laughs> voice that'll take you and go eat you some baby back ribs and some some bald shrimp down on your recruiting <laughs> visit. I mean, the guy fits in so great for LSU. It's kind of a sad that it's kind of sad that he's not gonna work out is the head coach long-term, but um, yeah, he'll find his, he'll find his land on his feet very quickly. Um, Sticking with the SEC, the other, uh, the other noon game that was just beyond fun to watch was the Arkansas Ole Miss game. This was somewhat the game that everybody was really looking forward to. Uh, You kind of had both teams were so hyped up two weeks ago, Ole Miss going to play Alabama, Arkansas going on the road to Georgia and both teams get schlacked. And you're kind of wondering, are these teams for real? How, which one of these teams is more real than the other? And this was kind of a, a, you know, prove it type of game to these two teams of which one really is, is the more dominant team. And we found out that they really are 
they are the same football team. It was final score is 52 51 and the game ends on Arkansas going for two at the end of the game. Even Lane Kiffin said, we didn't stop them. They just went for two and didn't score. So these two teams were hundred percent evenly matched in an absolute thrilling shootout uh, broke out there in Oxford. Yeah. And I, I think both these teams are real. I think these are two of the best offenses in the sec, if not the best offenses in the country, both very high scoring, uh, high power. They got a lot of a lot of guys who can make plays. Whether it's throwing the ball, catching the ball, running the ball, uh, and Matt Corral is one of the best college football players in the country this year. If you have a guy like that who can uh, get it done on the ground or throw it through the air like him, I mean, you, your chances of winning games are pretty good. I mean, the stuff that Ole Miss is doing on offense and Arkansas too. That game was like a video game. I mean, it's like you're playing your buddies on NCAA 14 and you're just running hurry up on every play and you're just getting up there and you guys are just firing touchdown after touchdown on each other and there's just no stops. And it's very different from, I think, what a lot of people associate the SEC with, but this is what the new wave of college football is. And frankly, it's a complete and total blast to watch. Great, yeah. The new hybrid spread offense where you're just running and gunning I, I, I love it. It just it makes college football so fun to watch. Yeah, everybody's moving. Everybody's kind of taking that that Art Briles, um, Baylor offense and just morphing it into their own. And 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 Kiffin is truly turning into one of his own. And you know, and a lot of people think of these offenses, these up tempo ones, as teams that are so afraid to run, like they're, that they're not a run first offense. A lot of them are. They use the run to then set up everything else in their offense and. That's what that's what Kiffin does is they are unbelievable at getting getting a first down and immediately catching you off guard and you're not set and they get up there and they just get like a free four yards running the ball right at the middle of the field because you're just not set and that those four yards every single time and you're looking at second and six guaranteed and guaranteed pretty much every drive instead of second and eight second and nine it's amazing how many more drives are going to be successful so. Um, that was that was kind of the, those were the two big ones in the in the afternoon slot or the, the early afternoon slot there at noon, and then of course you had the the two heavyweight fights in the uh, in the Big Ten going at it in uh, Iowa Penn State, much much different tempo ball game here a twenty three twenty final. Um, Sean Penn State gets out to the early seventeen to three lead on Iowa. Sean Clifford gets hurt, and then that entire game seemed to change after that. Just Obviously, you're much more in tune with, with Big Ten football, being the Nebraska fan you are. Your thoughts, your reactions to that type of game. Um, Iowa, Iowa's legit. Penn State is legit with Sean Clifford. What are your thoughts? Man, I, I still just don't know. Uh, Penn State, the beginning of last year, looked awful. And, I mean, Sean Clifford played all right until he got hurt. And, I mean, they have a win against Auburn, but who really knows how good Auburn is either. And then Iowa, I, they obviously have one of the best defenses in the entire country, but their offense is just atrocious. I mean, Spencer Petras is arguably a bottom three quarterback in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Um, Goodson's had an all right year. I mean, his numbers don't jump off the page. But yeah, I think you'll see a lot. Um, I think you'll see a lot going down the stretch with Iowa. 
Um, I mean, their their schedule isn't t- that tough. I mean, they play Purdue, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois, and Nebraska. So they pretty much have a Big Ten West slate left. And if they can show us that they have um, an offense, then yeah, I, I, I like I like their chances to do well in the Big Ten championship and potentially get in the uh, college football playoff if they're undefeated. But if, well, if they're schedule. not. With that schedule, it's going to be hard for them not to go. I mean, clearly there are options to slip up, but it's going to be really hard for them to lose prior to the Big Ten championship game. I mean, looking at that schedule, I mean, what would you say? You'd say that your best chances for a slip up is probably at Wisconsin and at Nebraska? I'd probably agree. I mean, Wisconsin hasn't looked great this year, but Iowa and Wisconsin always play each other close. And then uh, this is probably biased because I'm a Nebraska fan, but Nebraska's played three top 10 teams already. Oklahoma, Michigan State, and Michigan, and they've played them all one-score games. And, I mean, that's that's our biggest rivalry is Iowa. So, and, it, and it's at home. And we're going to we'll, – I'm sure we'll come out to play that game. And, like I said, I'm probably biased, but that, I, I have a feeling that will be a very close game. I mean, coming from a much further outsider's perspective – Nebraska's played every single team tough, and they're. I, I think that they've proven that they could play with just about anybody in the country at this point. Um, we could dive into the Michigan game in a minute, but I, I would say that that is probably Iowa's biggest fear at the at this point is losing that game, and then with the Wisconsin game, those uh, offenses in, in, clearly those game styles play right into each other, so it'll probably be, it'll probably be a game where they don't have a lot of possessions. So whatever team, so it's going to be low scoring, which keeps both teams into it, which means if you have mistakes at the wrong time, you can clearly slip up and lose. So that's kind of the way I look at it. But Iowa's offense does what it needs to do. I mean, they're down in the second half, and they stick with their game plan. They run the ball. They do just enough, and they're winning football games. And I know in college everyone wants to talk about style points, it's not like the NFL where it's just purely based off record, but at this point, if Iowa keeps winning, they're going to be there at the end of the year in the playoff. It's a yep. Yep. I can't argue with you there. I'll tell you so, what though. Iowa's defensive backs are probably drooling at the thought of that Wisconsin game playing Graham Mertz. If he's still their starter at that time, he, he, he that guy has thrown so many, I'm pretty sure he's thrown 10 or 12 yeah, picks. I think he's throwing he's throwing more picks and touchdowns. I know that. I think he's thrown two touchdowns. Yeah, he's thrown two touchdowns and seven picks. That is not a good ratio. No, and it, it's it's so strange because his first game as a college quarter, or first game starting as a college quarterback against Illinois last year, and I know last year was a weird year. I think he threw five touchdowns and had like two <laughs> incompletions, and people were calling him for the Heisman after that game. But he he has not looked anywhere near that caliber since. It's it's amazing how fickle of a game this is and how quickly you could fall from graces in college football. So and yeah, he's clearly clearly he's got a lot of mental blocks. Um, the system is not there. A lot of things, something has to have had change, but he is not that same guy that he was last year. 
And nope. not the same Wisconsin team. They're going to play you tough because that's what Wisconsin does. But outside of that, you know, it's really not that good of a football team. So I would expect kind of looking ahead at that game, I, I would expect Iowa to not have too many issues, especially if Graham Mertz turns it over, then the game could get ugly. If not, then I'm probably going to expect like a 30 to 30 to 10 type of game, 30 to 13 um, type of ball game. Yep. Um, do you want to go into – We'll save the biggest upset for last uh, to, to really break that one down. So we'll go, we'll, we'll go, we'll jump back to your Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, huge, huge game having Michigan in on the road, top 10 team, absolutely electric atmosphere in Lincoln um, night game. Nebraska gets down early. They're fighting the refs the entire game, 13 to nothing at halftime comes storming back take the lead in the third quarter. And then you got a back and forth fourth quarter that ends with very Nebraska like heartbreak. Um, Adrian Martinez fumbles the ball on a drive. that looked like you guys were well on your way to going down to, to take the lead and Michigan gets the ball back in Nebraska territory, kicks the game winning field goal, uh, ices the game on defense. Just his thoughts from Nebraska perspective. Here's your soapbox moment, Gil. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously frustrating to see a team that has so much talent and has shown that they can play with anyone in the country. And you, you just keep seeing week after week just a rerun of the same old story. Just You're that close. And then one little error, one little uh, turnover, mis- misdirected punt or – whatever it may be just just ruins all the momentum of the game. And just, it's, it's heartbreaking as a Nebraska fan. And like I said, I think this team's so close and at one point it's going to turn and they're going to realize that they know how to win. And I think once I get this turned, I think it'll turn in a big way. And I think Nebraska will really show that, yeah, we're, we're here to stay. And a lot of, a lot of Nebraska fans, um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners down in Tennessee and uh, Atlanta probably don't know this, or they might know this, they may not, but a lot of Nebraska fans dog on Scott Frost. I'd say it's probably a 50-50 split on the fan base with Frost supporters and Frost haters, and I'm one of the, I'm one of the supporters. I, I think he is the right guy for the job. I think we will not be able to get anyone else better than him, and I College football nowadays is so tough to be able to turn a program around at the transfer portal and players leaving, and uh, it takes time, I guess, is what I'm trying to get to. There's no doubt. I mean, you kind of answered my next question. My next question to you was going to be, if you know, you go all the way back to week zero and Nebraska loses the first game of the year in Illinois, and it seemed like everybody in the entire country at that point had fired Scott Frost except for Nebraska, except for the administrators in Nebraska. I'm sure most of the fan base had fired Scott Frost after that game against Illinois. And I would say at this point that Scott Frost has bought himself at least another year there. I I mean, with the games that he's had so far, he's proven that they are right there. And I think it's, I think it's enough that you have to give him another chance just with the way that they've been competitive. I mean, they've got a stretch now against Minnesota and Purdue you should win these two games. I would say barring just complete disaster in those two games, 
Then you have Ohio State, who, with the way they played at home, I see no reason why you guys can't compete in that game. You have Wisconsin, who we've talked about how much they've struggled, and then you get Iowa coming. And so compete against Ohio State, compete against Iowa, and don't get blown out against Purdue or Minnesota. And 100% I have to think that Scott Frost is back. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and I think next year probably is the year that you have to kind of give them that this is you've got to you've got to really show a record here. I, I mean, a legitimate like you're, I'm saying, OK, next year you need an eight and four type of year, something that's really showing pure, real true improvement. And if you get that and who knows, Scott Frost in Nebraska may end up working out. It's a really tough position. Going back to your alma mater and basically a hometown legend and going back there is really, really hard. So the last thing I want to, I think anybody wants to do is, is see him fail and they're going to give him every opportunity to succeed. Agreed. Yeah. If, if Nebraska, I think Adrian, we, next year, Adrian Martinez, Nebraska needs him to return. That guy's special. Um, and looking at our schedule next year, I don't see any reason why we can't win nine games next year, eight or nine games. Uh, we got Northwestern in Ireland, uh, the Airlines Classic, um, North Dakota, Georgia Southern wins. Uh, we don't even need to talk about that. Uh, Oklahoma at home, which we played them tough this year, but who knows who they're going to have next year. If Caleb Williams is – I mean, he'll be back, obviously. Uh, Rutgers, Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa. You avoid lots this, of big names. We don't play Penn State. We don't play Ohio State. This is the first time in, I think, seven, eight years that we haven't played Ohio State. Do you miss, do you miss Michigan State, too? We miss Michigan State, too. Our, yeah, our, I mean, crossover, our crossover games are Rutgers, Indiana, and Michigan. I mean, that is as favorable as it gets. So that is – just another reason why I think that you say, all right, Scott, you've proved you're showing that improvement. The team's fighting. The team is giving it's all. There's no doubt about that. They haven't quit on them. And so you play out this year, the record kind of, it's not going to be as good as it could be clearly with all these close losses. Um, hope that you pull off one of those two centers would be even better, but if nothing else, you roll into next year and you say, all right, let's go, let's go get us nine wins. And then if it still looks like a, I mean, if you're still talking about a six and six record next year, then you're probably talking about the end of the road. But with the direction that they look, you don't see that as and you don't see it. And I'm sure, and I don't see it either as that would, you know, happen. Yeah. And I'm sure your listeners are probably tired of hearing me talk about Nebraska, but then I'm going to reiterate <laughs> this. We need Adrian Martinez to come back. That guy is a stud. I'm I am really surprised with how how much he has developed there. Um, I I hadn't watched a lot of Nebraska football. Um, even being good buddies with you guys, I haven't been. It seems like you know it doesn't works out. Never really works out game times, but I got to sit down and watch a good bit of that Michigan game. Man, he has got some lightning fast speed. When he gets out in the open field, that guy can just run. Yeah, uh, that's. That's kind of that's kind of the uh, his bread and butter is getting out of the pocket and being able to use his legs and extend plays that way. Um, he obviously, um, if you've seen him play, doesn't have the best poise in the pocket. He tends to scramble at early sometimes, 
doesn't let the players develop. And I think part of that is probably based on our O-line not having the best pass protect. But if if our O-line, I mean, they're young. We don't have a single senior on the O-line. Um, we're starting three freshmen uh, and two sophomores, I believe, on the O-line. And both of our tackles are freshmen. So um, if you can return all those guys, develop them, a little bit more, another year of the weight room and another year of being in the system. I, I don't see why we can't see major improvements there and by Adrian more time in the pocket. I'm right there with you. So we can we can jump off from that and get on to the really what made – I mean, I've listed off all these games, and then all of this happens in itself, and you would have called it a heck of a day. And then you get just the true stunner in Texas A&M knocking off Alabama. And if I had told, if I had said this to you at the beginning of the year, that Texas A&M beats Alabama, people, some people would have blinked tonight. The majority of people wouldn't say it was that shocking of an upset. Texas A&M's top five team coming into the year at Kyle Field, and you're thinking they're, they're going to compete. Texas A&M has looked horrid this year. I mean, just absolutely horrid. They can't even put up points in Colorado. And they go out and they shocked the world. They put up 41 on Bama, and nothing that they did looked fluky. There was no weird bounce. There was no kick six. There was none of that. They beat Bama. With their backup quarterback, too. <laughs> With a backup quarterback. Who's been terrible, and then he goes out there, and he looks like Joe Montana out there throwing the ball around. I mean, he was he was absolutely fantastic. Um, they got off to a huge lead, got up early 17-7 in the first quarter, uh, go up at halftime 24-10. Bama, at one point in the third quarter, blocks a – they block a punt for a touchdown, and I think at that point a lot of people start thinking, okay, well, here comes Bama um, doing what they always do and getting their way out of it. And what do they do? They turn around and they take the opening – the next kick off of that uh, block touchdown for six. And it was just kind of like that momentum snap that I think then a lot of people probably in Kyle Field really started to feel what could happen. I mean, and this is a huge win for Jimbo. It's a huge win for AM, but at the same time, it's kind of sad that it happened when it did because they already have their two SEC losses. And it's like you finally knock off Saban, and it's in a year that just it doesn't even matter to do it for them when you're looking at, you know, long-term apps, uh, aspirations for the season. Yeah. And it's another, another kind of weird, crazy stat is that was uh, Alabama before that game had to beat a hundred unranked opponents in a row. And at exactly the hundredth game or I guess hundred first game, Texas A&M finally does it. It's unbelievable how consistent that is. I, I mean, that is absurd when you sit there and you think about that. Getting up week over week for every single opponent when you know that they're going to try and give your best to not off Goliath. No, when you're Alabama, you have a target on your back. You're going to get every team's best, whether it's Vanderbilt or Georgia or Texas A&M. You're going to get their best play. And to do that 100 straight games against unranked opponents, that's that's impressive. I don't care who you're playing. Bryson looked like a freshman. Uh, he, did. I, he did not hand his their two games that they've been on the road this year are Florida and AM, both very hostile environments. And it's been clear 
that it has affected him. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine being a freshman quarterback going into the swamp or 12th man. Uh, those are both very, like you said, very hostile environments. And that's just what you're going to get in the SEC. SEC and Big Ten, that's you get the biggest stadiums, the loudest crowds, the biggest fan bases. And for a freshman quarterback, that's 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 tough. And there's no, no other way to put it. Like, I, I think Bryce Young is a very good quarterback. And I think down the line, he'll be very good. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a Heisman finalist down the future, down the road. But yeah, this, this game was not his best. Uh, he was 28 for 48 passing. Uh, he did throw uh, 369 yards and three touchdowns. But as a freshman in arguably the loudest stadium in the country, like that's just hard to get it done. Yeah, and it was, the place was rocking too. Um, there's there's no doubt about that. I'm not worried about Alabama in terms of the long term with this loss. Uh, I think this will wake them up a little bit more. I don't see them losing another game the rest of the year. It, it was kind of one of those things where I expected at some point they would slip up. Here is their slip up, and they're probably still going to go to the SEC championship at 11 and one. And guess what? Guess what? If Alabama goes to the SEC championship and they win. They're going to the playoff. Now, if they go to the SEC championship and they lose, I think they're probably out at that point. You can't two losses and no title. I, I don't see them put making it in. And I think that they're only going to get better. Just this is not the immortal Alabama team that we're used to. This team has flaws. There are ways to beat them, and Texas AM showed it. Right. And Kylie, I am going to let you know right now, I am so jealous of you being able to go to Knoxville and watch Tennessee take on Alabama in two weeks, a 6 p.m. No, that, kick. No, that's in, that's in Tuscaloosa. Oh, you're oh, okay. My yeah, bad. Tuscaloosa. Sorry, will, misinformation. I, misinformation. It's, okay. it's all good. Are you, make, are you making the road trip? <laughs> I am not this year. I went two years ago. Um, this year, I'm not going to make that road trip. It is, it is a good time. I, I will say I was there when, Tennessee played arguably one of its best games under Jeremy Pruitt, had a chance going into the fourth quarter down seven. Aaron Tano has his rogue moment on the goal line, turns into a 99-yard fumble return, going the other way, game flips. But Yeah, so I will not go to that one, but what I will be at this coming weekend will be Tennessee Ole Miss, which I think, looking at the slate of games, there are some good ones. Oklahoma, Texas is going to be a great game. Obviously, Georgia, Kentucky, we can get to it in a minute as that game is for the SEC East. But Tennessee Ole Miss has the potential to be the most exciting game of the weekend. And let me tell you, Tennessee fans are getting rabid about this game. They have sold out the stadium for the first time since 2017. First time? First first time. First time since 2017. That's weird. Yeah, I know. Nebraska's pretty used to, to selling them out every game. What is it, 360-something now? Yeah, something like that. I don't even know anymore. Yeah, it, it's a lot. It, it's quite impressive. So, 102, 455 strong will be there. Checkered Neyland at night. Lane Kiffin's return to Knoxville. This is going to be this is gonna be hostile, and this is going to be real, real fun. And I'm telling you right now, if Tennessee wins this game, the fans, Tennessee fans will be absolutely unbearable for 
a good week of just nonstop. Is this a uh, tear down the goalpost game? I think it has potential to rush the field. They didn't do it in 2016 when we beat Florida for the first time in 13 years, my freshman year. A lot of people wanted to rush the field. We were up so big in the fourth quarter that they had enough time to put up a big old wall of security. And then nobody was, the front row wasn't willing to jump. I think this game has potential for it. Will be, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, I, I'll, I'll just put it out there for all of our listeners. I will be unbearable next week on this podcast. As Tennessee pulses off. I think that they've got an extremely legitimate chance at it. Well, Miss's defense is not very good. Tennessee's offense has been playing as good as Ole Miss, as good as anybody in the conference or in the nation the last two weeks, blowing out uh, Missouri, blowing out South Carolina. We've got a better defense than Ole Miss. It's going to come down to turnovers. It's going to come down to discipline play. They've got the better quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Um, So it'll be, I think, home field will have a a big part to do with it, and then it'll be who, who controls the turnover battle. Yeah, yeah, you guys know a bad quarterback, though. I know you said Corral's better, which I agree. Hooker, what, Hooker's good. What, what happened to Milton? I, I haven't followed Tennessee that closely this year, but. I goes out the first game, and it was a little bit shaky. Overthrows everybody that um, – any deep pass that he's won in the past, which is a really huge part of Josh Heupel's offense, is setting – is doing a lot of run, a lot of play action, a lot of run to set up a play action deep pass um, in, these, in these big – 40, 50, 60 yard plays are a huge part of the offense and Milton's overthrowing everybody. And it's the first game of the year. It is what it is. And then he uh, rolls, he gets his knee banged up in the second game against Pitt. Hooker comes in, plays well. And then you rest Milton against Tennessee tech. And then you let hooker go out there and he once again, looks really, really good. And then you get to Florida, and they said that Milton wasn't healthy enough to play. I don't know if that was 100% the case, because I think at that point, Hooker could, had kind of started to take over in practice to be the number one. And then he goes out, he plays really solid in the swamp without really much mistakes at all. Then the last two weeks, he's just been absolutely on fire. Um, one of the most efficient uh, quarterback ratings in college football He's thrown one pick the entire year, and that wasn't even a game that he started. It was uh, in the pit game on the last drive, trying to go down and tie the game up late, forced a ball in, got caught with not seeing a safety. Other than that, I think he's thrown 11 touchdowns, so 11 to 1 ratio is not bad at all. The guy can run. He's just really, really solid quarterback. Yeah. Ole Miss will definitely be a test for him. I think a test for your guys' entire team. I'm cheering for you, Kylie. I want you to be obnoxious next week because college football is better when Nebraska and Tennessee, these types of traditional powers are better. There's no doubt. College football deserves to have these two fan bases back in going at it with their conference. It's a much, much better place when you have those, those fan bases talking about not, not talking about, you know, who's their next coach, but talking about winning national championships. That's, that's when college football is truly at its best. Agreed. I'm tired of talking about the 90s. I'm sure you as a Tennessee fan, you know the, exa- you know the exact <laughs> feeling. But 100%. I'm ready to talk about the 2020s. Nebraska and Tennessee are back. Decade. Decade of the, ni- the 90s are coming back in the 2020s. That, 20 years later, we're all going to rise from, rise from the grave. The roaring 20s. But 
Um, before we before we jump away from college football, um, it, then we can touch a little bit on the NFL. Or actually, we'll, we'll, I got two more things on college football, actually. So first off, Georgia-Kentucky. Massive, massive spread this weekend. I think it's like a 24-point spread for <laughs> – the game is for the SEC East at this point. Undefeated Kentucky rolled in, 11 in the country. And clearly, Georgia being the number one team in the country, there's no doubt about that. I'm not even saying is Kentucky going to win. Is this spread disrespectful? 20 uh, I, spread. I think it's very disrespectful. Kentucky's looked great all year. Uh, I think their offense is pretty good. They got two Big Ten transfers on their team. Uh, Will Levis from Penn State and then Wandell Robinson from Nebraska. I mean, those guys have a special connection. Uh, Wandell is one of the most electri- electrifying players in the SEC. And I know Georgia, de- I, I, they definitely have the best defense in the country. I don't think there's anyone that's going to argue that. But I think Kentucky's offensive firepower makes it, I don't want to say close, but I think I think the spread is – it's just too high. I think Kentucky covers. I think Kentucky can cover this too, in purely because I just don't think it's going to have any points scored. Now, I don't think Kentucky's going to put up a lot on Georgia's offense. I think probably somewhere in the range of 14 to 17 points is pretty accurate for Kentucky to put up this weekend. But Kentucky's defense is fantastic. And Georgia's offense, it is good, but it's not a juggernaut. And I think Kentucky can hold them to a few lower than what they're used to. And I see no reason that this game isn't a 30 to 17 type game. Um, I think Georgia wins. I think Georgia wins kind of comfortably in terms of, I don't think it ever gets to a scary point with five minutes to go into Kentucky as the ball to win. Um, But I think it'll be a close game for a lot, just because a lot of running clock, um, a lot of defense, a lot of three and outs, a lot of getting the ball back and forth. So that, that's kind of the type of game, a little bit more smash mouth, what you're used to seeing from SEC powerhouses. I think that's what I expect a lot this, from that game this weekend. Yep. If I was a betting man, I would bet Kentucky to cover and I would take the over. 44 and a half seems a little low. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I think blows me, off, blows me on this game is that you've got to – if you're taking the point spread and you're taking the points, I mean – you're talking about something that's a 30 to 14 type game or actually even more than that. I mean, it's just like you start thinking about the math there. And if, if you like Kentucky to cover, then you better be better. To cover. That's all I can tell you. If you think Georgia can cover, then the under is probably going to hit it because that means Kentucky probably didn't score a lot of points. Yeah. So, yeah. I think Kentucky's offense can do it a lot of different ways, which is, Interesting for Georgia. I mean, like I said before, the best best defense in the country, but when you can do it, throwing the ball. And, I mean, Chris Rodriguez is one of the best running backs in the country. Um, I don't I don't see why he they can't put, make it close. So who are your top four teams right now? I, we're going to – well, should say, who are three through four for you Right now, season ends. Uh, or I'm not talking about who you expect to be at the playoff. I'm saying if they were doing playoff rankings right now, clearly Georgia's one. Who on earth is two through four for you? Hmm. Um, four, 
I, I can tell you four, I would say Cincinnati, just because I do. I, I think they're definitely worthy of being in the playoffs. I don't think they deserve that two or three spot just because they don't have the strength of schedule as maybe a Big Ten or SEC team would have. But I, I definitely think they're there. Um, I would say Iowa at the moment. And then if it ended right now, it's a toss-up for me between Oklahoma and Michigan. I'm not as high on Michigan as you are. Um, I love Michigan. We have discussed this at length in some group texts for for those who don't know. But, um, yeah, I'm not as high on Michigan as you. I think that Michigan is absolutely a top 15 team. I don't think Michigan is a ten. I'm saying top 15. They've got a lot of good football teams to play, and I think it'll it'll work itself out no matter what. Um, if they continue to keep winning, I will be glad to eat my words. If they start faltering, then I think it proves where they fall. But um, I think that it's got to be Oklahoma, me personally, if you're putting – I'm agreeing with Cincinnati as well and Iowa. Um, just if you're ending it today, I think Cincinnati – is absolutely in the spot that if they keep winning, they're in. There's no doubt about it. Um, nobody is going to take that spot from them if they keep winning. I think the Big Ten champion at this point, whoever it may be, is at worst case going to walk out with one loss out of the season. The Big Ten champion is getting in. If Alabama wins the SEC championship, this is where you really start getting into a problem of looking at an one-loss Alabama or, I guess, a one-loss Georgia, and then you start looking about, is Oklahoma still undefeated? I don't think Oklahoma does go undefeated. I think that they've got two really tough games, and I just don't see them winning both of them. And I, I can still see them slipping up on any other game this year. But I just don't see them coming out undefeated. But if they do, then you're really starting to get into a difficult conversation. If we're talking about difficult conversations here – um. And I, I'm going to add some some ifs in here. Okay. If, if somehow Cincinnati loses before the end of the year, yeah, and if somehow Oklahoma loses, do you put two Big Ten and two SEC teams in the playoff? God, that would – I would love that. Personally, I would love that. If, if the Pac-12 – I don't think the Pac-12 if, has no, anyone. If, if, Oregon, if Oregon doesn't go the rest of the way undefeated, in in this mad chaos scenario to get two and two, Oregon has to Oregon has to lose another game. You two lost Pac-12 champion has absolutely no weight. I think a one loss Pac-12 champion that also has a win against Ohio State has a lot of weight. Um, you got to assume that the ACC. I know Wake Forest is undefeated right now. You got to assume that the ACC, whoever comes out of there, is a team that has losses. Uh, and then, yeah, I guess Oklahoma loses once in Cincinnati. If Cincinnati loses one more time, they're out of it. And then if you can get a scenario where you've got an undefeated Iowa and then you've got a one-loss Ohio State team and Ohio State knocks them off, absolutely. I think that in Georgia – and Bama knocks off Georgia, it's pure chaos, and I think it can happen now that you're putting it out there and – Clearly, there's a lot of ifs that we laid out there, but there is a path for it. I would love seeing that. That would, <laughs> I would absolutely love seeing that. That would be insane. 
Yeah. I think obviously those two conferences by far are the best one, two punch conferences in college football. Uh, The ACC's highest, highest rated team is wake forest at 16 and a very soft 16. Yeah. They have two, they have two teams are even ranked NC state's 22. (laughs) NC State's a solid team. I mean, they're they're they're, they're not bad, but they're they not. They are a, top, a, they are a twenty team. to twenty five team. Yeah, they're number one. Yeah. So, um, and Wake Forest is a solid team. They're not fourteen, but or sixteen, whatever, whatever they were. Uh, yeah. So, wow, I hadn't considered that, but I'm right there with you. Pure chaos. Let's go for it. Let's just have just full blown as much chaos as we could possibly have. I hope everybody has losses. Then you really start running into a whole lot of issues. Everybody has losses. Then, it'd be then you put an undefeated Coastal Carolina as the one <laughs> seed. Love it. Just really get – put them in and Cincy in. Those are the only two undefeated teams. Put them in one, two. <laughs> I would love that. Um, before we jump out of here, we'll – We'll move it over to the NFL and get a little bit in here um, and kind of get your thoughts and opinions on on what all is is happening in the NFL. So we'll start with we'll start with let you talk about your Broncos. Um, start off three and zero. Yep, started off three and zero. Lost our next two games. Uh, Broncos fans have a uh, a little sad the past couple of years ever since Peyton left. I loved I loved my Tennessee quarterback. <laughs> back in back in high school, he was he was awesome. Uh, but I mean, obviously, watching I mean, you're an NFL fan, you've seen the Broncos, you've seen their struggles the past couple of years. We've had solid defenses here and there. We just we haven't had a quarterback at all. I mean, we've had Brock Osweiler, uh, Paxton Lynch, uh, Drew Locke. I mean, just guys that are it's a revolving door. They don't have it. Yeah, I mean, I think Teddy Bridgewater is good. I think he's, and I don't, I don't want to call him a game manager because he can, he can make plays, and he can, he can get it done a little bit on the, on the, uh, on the ground, but I think this is the best Broncos team since we've been in, since we were in the Super Bowl, in what 20, 2015? 15. 20, 2015, I think, yeah, yeah, the twenty fifteen season, yeah, and I, I think this is by far our best defense since then. I, this defense is a top five defense in the league. Uh, Von Miller is still Von Miller. I mean, he's coming off of injury. Uh, I think either him or Dak Prescott. I mean, those are the only like, comeback player of the year. I mean, those are the only two candidates in my mind you could even think of. Uh, Bradley Chubb's hurt right now. Uh, he'll be back. Jerry Judy's hurt right now. He'll be back. Um, our schedule playing in the AFC West isn't very favorable because I think the AFC West is a top two division in football. I think they're the best division in football. That's that's maybe a stretch of the NFC West because the NFC West is also very good. But I mean, when, I when the Chiefs post Russ post Russ injury, okay, I'm, I agree with you there. With the Chiefs being last in the division, though, uh, the reigning Super Bowl runner-ups, you gotta you gotta give. They have see some credit there. Um, talking about those AFC champ runner-ups, good God, what is wrong with the Chiefs? I honestly don't know. I mean, <laughs> this they look broken. I mean, it's 
this past game was one of those that genuinely I'm I'm no Chiefs fan, but I hate the Chiefs out there going into that game against the Bills on Sunday night. And I was like, this is the exact type of game that the Chiefs need at this moment against good competition. They're gonna go out there in prime time and they're going to win and they're gonna get their season right back on track. And they get shellacked at home on Sunday night football. I'm not taking away anything at all from Buffalo. Buffalo is probably playing the best football of any team right now in the NFL. And it's not actually, no, they are playing the best football of any team right now. And I don't think it's very close. I think um, I I know that there are Cardinals fans that would probably disagree with that without Rams fans. Yeah. I'm sure that there are people who would extremely disagree with me, but what Buffalo is doing on offense right now is extremely impressive. But the Chiefs, their defense is bad. Mahomes looks terrible. And this team just doesn't look like they're they're clicking. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd say Mahomes looks terrible. He's leading the NFL in touchdowns. He has 16 passing touchdowns through five games, which is impressive. And he's number one in QBR. I mean, he, he has thrown six interceptions, which is near the bottom of the league in that category. But it, I just I just don't know what it is. I, I don't think it's Mahomes is the problem. At least Patrick, it might be Jackson Mahomes. He could be the problem. But it could uh, be Jackson. It could very well be Jackson. I, I mean, part of it I'm sure has to do with with how much they're paying. They've got all of these big big time contracts. Um, we've got all these big time contracts on their team, and so clearly there's going to be a trickle down effect that once you start having to pay all these people that you're not going to get to a point where you can have such a quality team from top to bottom, this team still has a stupid amount of talent. So they need to figure out a way to turn this around quickly. Otherwise, I mean, they've lost the path to home field at this point, assuming the bills don't fall off. And so they're going to have to figure this out quick if they just want to make it the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Chiefs, you're not going to find much harder schedule than the Chiefs either. I mean, when you play Buffalo out of division, and I they, they play the Bucks as well, didn't they? Uh, they've got coming up, they got to go on the road to the Titans. They got, to, they got the Packers at home. Um, they do not have the Bucks, not this year, but they did have the Browns. So they've yeah. had some tough games. Uh, and then you have the AFC West. The Cowboys. They got to play the Cowboys too, who also look fantastic. And, and who knows? Who knows by the end of the year? Steelers could have figured something out. They yeah. played Steelers on the 26th. 26th, yeah. So, I mean, in like, and then you, of course, you know, you got your conference games. Broncos are no snooze. Raiders, Raiders have looked good. Um, and clearly, and, take it back. <laughs> I will not take that back. I am I am not a Raiders fan. Broncos fans and Raiders fans don't mix. It's like oil and uh oil and water. Well, they've they've looked solid and they lost to the Chargers already once. So there is there should be a lot of alarm bells going off against the Steelers now. And I don't know what it is that's gonna fix it, but they better do it quickly because they're at two and three and they cannot afford to keep falling off. Yeah, I know it's still early, but man, if the Chiefs don't make the playoffs, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, what, is, what a drop off from going from 
AFC Championship game, Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl runner-up, and then no playoffs. That's that is a big old drop off. Short yeah. So, yeah, agreed. It's it's weird. I mean, I feel like with college, you get so many storylines every week. With the NFL, it's a marathon, not a sprint like college. Um, obviously, seventeen games to twelve. So every game seems to mean just that little bit more in college. You got to overanalyze everything just a little bit more. And then you look at the NFL and you're like, yeah, it's, it's middle of October. Come talk to me in, in November when, when games start really meaning it. And then you're eight games into an NFL season. You really know where teams stand. So Agreed. all righty. Um, outside of that, I think that it just about covers the, the major slate for this past week. Um, should be an extremely exciting week. You've got postseason baseball, Atlanta Braves advance on past the Milwaukee Brewers. I know we don't have Joe on for all of our normal listeners to discuss this. I'm sure Joe and I will, will go into depth about how the Milwaukee series uh, happened. By the next time we get on, the NLCS will be well underway. We'll be two games into the series at that point. But, yeah, just – Really, really happy for the Braves. Really proud of this team. I was at both games in Atlanta. Electric atmosphere in Atlanta both days. Um, I'm rooting big time for the Giants. As a diehard Braves fan, we're not beating the Dodgers four times in a seven-game series, in my opinion. So, God, I hope the Giants pull it off tomorrow night. Um, for everybody out there listening, please go watch that game tomorrow night. It will be probably one of the best playoff games you'll see. Game five, Dodgers-Giants, two electric teams. 106, 105 wins this year. It's just not going to get any better in October. So a lot of exciting time. Postseason baseball, college football full swing, NFL full swing, hockey starting back up, NFL or NBA is right around the corner. October is the prime month for sports, and there is nothing you can do to change my mind. I know March Madness rivals it. It's a whole lot of fun, but that's one thing in one month. This is just pure sports overload, and it's awesome. Well, with that, everybody, we will let you get on out of here. We appreciate you listening. Please, as always, like, rate, review, subscribe. When you guys give us those five-star ratings or even a one-star rating, if you don't like us, please tell us. It'll help us improve. But any rating helps us. It drives us algorithms. It helps get this into other people's news feeds. We appreciate you guys always out there listening. We just hit over 1,000 downloads in less than a year. Uh, last week for all-time podcasting, I know not all of you guys are out there downloading, so I'm probably imagining that we've got about 2,000 of you guys listening in in less than a year, which, hey, when I first started this year, I could have never imagined it. So I appreciate, appreciate all of it. I appreciate you, Brett, hopping on. Always willing to come on the podcast. We love having you on. We love getting your takes. And uh, – like we said, we're, we're pulling for Nebraska. We're pulling for Tennessee to get us back into, into that college football uh, elites. I love it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kylie. All righty. Well, we'll let everybody get on out of here. Have a, a great rest of your day.